This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Heartland Research. Uh, see, there you go. This, I copied this from a long time ago from your last interview. I'm no longer a research fellow. Haven't been for two years. Wow. Three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Heartland Senior Fellow and Managing Editor of Environment and Climate News. The oil and gas industry is roiling facing rapidly changing geopolitical and supply and demand conditions. Here with me today to discuss what's going on in the oil and gas industry, how it's affecting companies in the industry, and in the long run and short-term average people, I'm pleased to have as a guest my friend, oil and gas industry insider Gary Stone. Gary is Executive Vice President of Engineering for Five States Energy Company, where he's responsible for the analysis and management of all company legacy reserve assets and analysis of assets for the company's capital funds. Gary has a petroleum engineering degree from Texas Tech University. He's a registered professional engineer in the state of Texas, an officer for the Texas Energy Council. He first joined the Heartland Institute as a policy advisor in 2015. Since then, and even before, he's been my top go-to guy for oil industry-related questions. Gary, thanks for being here. Glad to, Sterling. So before we jump into what's going on with the oil industry, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you or your company, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, and what Five States Energy does. Okay. Certainly, I'm a Lubbock native, a proud graduate of Texas Tech in petroleum engineering and a member of Tech's Petroleum Engineering Academy. I've been doing acquisitions and divestitures for most of the past 40 years. Throughout the lower 48 and uh, – mostly in Texas, uh, Oklahoma, New Mexico, and up through the middle of the country. I've worked for an international consultant, a pipeline company, a scientific energy software company, and a handful of producers and operators. I've been with Five States since 1997. Five States was formed in 1985 to buy producing properties for our private investor group. We invest primarily, as I said, in Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and north through the Rockies and the Williston. In addition to producing properties, we've owned interests in two pipelines, in the Permian and the Bakken, and a gas plant in south-central Kansas. All of our deal flow comes through my engineering department for screening, evaluation, and negotiation. We also maintain the reserve calculations on our existing property base. So, fracking and horizontal drilling revolutionized oil and gas production, expanding domestic production and reducing the need for imports. Still, some see a dark side, claiming that fracking causes all manner of harms, including air, water, pollution, maybe even earthquakes. What's your response? I don't want to spend a lot of time on this issue, Sterling, because frankly, with today's other problems, it pales in comparison. But let me say this. Study after independent study has shown that fracking a well a mile and a half below the surface, insulated by layers and layers of solid rock and protected by sophisticated steel casing and cementing procedures, simply does not cause contamination of surface water. 
surface facilities have continued to improve their containment of minute methane leaks, and flaring is reduced or eliminated as soon as pipeline facilities are available to move gas associated with oil production. Fracking does not cause minor earthquakes. Excessive injection of produced salt water does indeed cause minor earthquakes in the right geologic setting. And I emphasize minor, not some sort of San Andreas type event. Our experience has shown that moderation of injection greatly reduces the frequency and size of these earthquakes, generally to a level where they can only be detected by sensitive instruments if they occur at all. We could spend a whole podcast discussing the folly of man-made climate change, whether the current trend is warming or cooling. The Earth has been taking care of the job of regulating climate quite nicely for millions of years without man's intervention, and it will continue to do so. But some entities and institutions have either divested of energy investments or, in some cases, sued major oil companies for their alleged non-action to, quote, control global warming, unquote. At least one such prominent lawsuit has been dismissed, yet I noticed this past weekend that Hawaii has taken up the baton and sued Exxon. I have no doubt that will be dismissed as well. Energy isn't just important to our economy. Energy is our economy. 80% of our energy comes from oil, natural gas, and coal. That isn't going to change for many, many years. Well, I think you've covered it quite well. Uh, I will, uh, I'll will give you a little more hope. Uh, it, so far, four climate-related, or three climate-related cases have been dismissed. Two, two, uh, Two by against you know filed by states or localities and one by uh, a youth group uh, mm-hmm. in, the ninth, in the Ninth Circuit they dismissed so oh, that's good. going on. Um, so Gary, prices in the oil and gas industry were low even before the coronavirus brought driving across the United States relatively to a standstill. What supply and demand conditions resulted in low prices, and what was the spat between Russia and Saudi Arabia about? How did it contribute to low prices, and how are the current supply and demand conditions affecting the industry? Well, I'll uh, I'll start by paraphrasing a line from one of my favorite movies: "The Saudis, the Russia, Russia, and the United States are the three toughest kids on the block, and sooner or later they were going to fight over oil prices." But uh, first, let me give just a little bit of background to your listeners on the history of oil prices. In terms of January 2020 dollars, the period from 1979 through 1985 was the era of expensive conventional oil production, with an average inflation-adjusted price of nearly $75 a barrel. Uh, I graduated from school in 1978, so this uh, I lived through all of these eras. After the massive price drop in the spring of 1986, the period of 86 through 2002 averaged $37 a barrel, with an especially severe drop in uh, 98 and 99. The early 2000s were the end of cheap conventional oil with the beginning of the shale revolution. 
adding a personal note here, this time began a period in which it became very difficult for five states to buy the types of conventional producing properties that formed the base of the company's reserves. Companies began paying outrageous prices for older production just to get the shale acreage. The period from 2006 through 2014 was the period of high-priced unconventional oil, the boom of the shale revolution, averaging $98 per barrel in today's dollar. This time period also saw the incredible swing in price of 2008, from a peak of $150 a barrel to an immediate drop to under $40 a barrel. Due to oversupply and deflation, the average price from 2015 through early this year averaged 55 a barrel. Of course, with the Saudi-Russian market battle, the price has now dropped to just over $20 per barrel. Gas prices, of course, have been on their own roller coaster, influenced by domestic markets instead of the international markets, so we won't deal with those too much. They've had huge spikes in, in and around 2000 and in 2005 through 2008 range, followed by the inevitable dips in prices. Today's prices, uh, as your listeners probably know, are below $2 and MCF following a relatively mild winter. OPEC was formed in 1960, and especially since the supply disruptions of the 70s, OPEC, with Saudi Arabia being the largest and controlling member, has exercised a great deal of control over world oil prices. In 2016, Russia and nine other non-member countries joined forces with OPEC in what is described as OPEC+. Plus. This group controls roughly half of the world's oil production. Russia has long been irritated by the rapid growth of U.S. shale production and our influence on international supply and demand, and thus prices. OPEC Plus tried to gain control over the frackers, as our shale drillers are known, in 2014 by flooding the market with the inevitable drop in prices. As the frackers found cheaper and more efficient ways to drill and operate, and with the huge number of wells being drilled in major U.S. basins, the continuing supply glut caused the Saudis to cut back on production to prop up prices. Higher prices in 2018 led to another glut, pushing U.S. production past that of Saudi Arabia and Russia to become the world's largest producer. Ironically, Russian production has increased every year since 2011 in small amounts. Yet at the March 6th meeting in Vienna, they refused to join cuts proposed by Saudi Arabia, and the game was on. Despite their need for high prices to support the kingdom's huge welfare system, the Saudis responded by slashing production. And here we are. How long can the Saudis last at $25 to $35 a oil? According to a recent Raymond James presentation, they'll deplete their economic reserves by early 2024. Due to several factors, including the dollar to ruble exchange rate, the Russians can last longer. Perhaps that's why it's been reported that President Trump may pressure the Saudis to cut production and moderate prices. 
Although when coming out of the COVID-19 recession, there will be pressure to keep energy prices as low as possible. Raymond James thinks the Saudis will cave within three months. What other factors are at work? Well, Bloomberg reports that Brian Sitton, one of the three Texas Railroad commissioners, wrote a Bloomberg opinion column that said the agency could order production limits for Texas producers, uh, something that hasn't been done since 1973. This is called <laughs> this is called proration. In theory, Texas could cut production by 10 percent. This is quoting Sitton. In theory, Texas could cut production by 10 percent. And if Saudi Arabia is willing to cut production by 10 percent from its pre-pandemic levels and Russia is willing to do the same, it would return the market to pre-crisis levels and only somewhat oversupplied, he wrote. Since writing the column, Sitton says he's been invited to address the OPEC uh, meeting in Vienna in June. Uh, a Saudi official has been quoted as saying, if there's a meeting, a significant cut is needed. We are way past the cut we wanted a few weeks ago. Russia would have to make more than cosmetic cuts they've been getting away with for a long time. Doesn't sound very promising. In the well, meantime, hear... the... Uh, sorry, the... but... Go, yeah. But to hear Sitton, uh, uh, an elected official in Texas, and I understand we're an oil and gas industry state. We like, we, we, we love the industry. It's been good to the state. But to hear him talk about telling producers what to do, it doesn't sound like a very conservative uh, stance to me. <laughs> well, that may be why he was just uh, uh, voted uh, out in the Republican primary a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. there, there's going to be another guy running in November. Um, in the meantime, the world has more oil than, it's, than it needs, and demand, and particularly in China, continues to drop. Supply will be impacted by the drop in rig count and the rapid natural decline of new shale wells, but there needs to be production cuts worldwide to moderate the price immediately. So you, you don't think just the reduction in, in wells, uh, new wells, existing wells, uh, the I take it the temporary shuttering of marginal wells. Uh, that will be enough to uh, to uh, reduce the supply. Not as long as uh, the Saudis and Russia keep flooding the market. So piled on top of all this, as it is on on, on everything that's going on right now, is the coronavirus. How's that affected the industry? Well. And the coronavirus or COVID-19 is truly a black swan event that uh, impacts the entire world and every industry in it. The uh, U.S. oil and gas industry was already moving from a period of unrestrained drilling and exploration to one of profit-taking and returning value to the shareholders or investors. Rig counts were down roughly a third from the peaks of the last couple of years and are continuing downward at a fast pace as the prices drop. The slowdown in industrial demand in the U.S. and throughout the world caused by COVID-19 will further depress prices. Hopefully we'll be through this soon and pent-up industrial demand will give a boost to prices. 
Moving on to a little bit different topic, I think it's fair to say a few years ago under the Obama administration, the oil and gas industry faced significant political headwinds in the U.S. Uh, On the domestic side, the industry's fortunes changed for the better with Trump's push for energy dominance. How has the change in administration affected the oil and gas industry? What are the major economic and political challenges still facing the oil and gas industry today? The Trump administration has been very supportive of the oil and gas industry. Uh, they've encouraged lease sales uh, and drilling on federal lands and offshore. They've encouraged free trade, specifically oil and LNG, excuse me, oil and LNG exports, and that's greatly helped the industry. It's been a refreshing three and a half years, and hopefully there will be four more. As I mentioned earlier, there there are societal and political challenges to the industry. Perhaps the only industry more hated than the oil and gas is the coal industry. Most of the Democrat presidential candidates believe in and support varying degrees of restriction on fracking, despite the technique having been around since the late 1940s. A Democrat in the office would promote severe restrictions throughout the industry. Ironically, (laughs) they would certainly help the price situation as they would greatly reduce domestic (laughs) supply. Of course, they can't do anything about production overseas, and you might see more emphasis by these majors on foreign exploration if that were the case. Um, And then the pendulum pendulum would swing back, and they'd say, oh, no, we're too dependent on foreign oil. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They they create the problem that they then have to solve. Exactly. Um, As we mentioned, there continue to be legal challenges to exploration, based on the false notion of man-made global warming and divestitures uh, of oil and gas stocks by academic endowments have also hurt the industry. So, Gary, if you could make just one point for our listeners to take away from our discussion today about why the oil and gas industry continues to be vital to America's economic and geopolitical fortunes, what would that be? Uh, As I mentioned earlier, society runs on energy. I read a statistic from Art Berman that said one barrel of oil contains the work equivalent of four and a half years of human manual labor. Alternative energy, solar, wind, and what have you, provide only about 20% of our domestic energy needs. Without oil, gas, and coal, modern society grinds to a halt. Those too ignorant or short-sighted politically to understand that fact put our modern way of life at risk. Well, Gary, uh, it's. I want to thank you for telling us what's going on in the oil and gas industry. We're all affected by it. I've been pleased you could be with us today. I want to thank you on behalf of myself and our listeners. Well, thank you for letting me sound off on those issues, Tony. Listeners, thanks for checking in on us today. Please check Heartland's website as we follow the economic and political ups and downs of the oil and gas industry. In addition, continue to listen to our podcast as we track the energy and environmental laws that affect you and go frequently to our PolicyBot site for your one-stop shop for free market solutions to public policy problems. Finally, if you're not already receiving these podcasts that are on your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. Thanks. Take care. Bye.